Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you live your life shaped by the way. Big week before us, wind shape is finally about to happen, like they're probably actually waiting for us to get done so they can get going. But uh, we've got our week of wind shape, vacation Bible school in front of us. Uh, between both of those things, I believe we'll have in excess of uh, uh, 500 kids here. So really exciting opportunity. I've got the wind shape team right over here to my right. Y'all stand up so we can welcome y'all to the house. And uh, y'all, y'all stay standing. Now we love all of them, don't we? But we love one of you a little more. Is, a, is Alicia in there? There's Alicia. Now, where's Alicia? Where's Alicia? Where's she? Oh, there you are. Wait, there you are. So Alicia is a member of our church. That's Eric and Anna Heatherly's daughter. And uh, she goes to Liberty now and is working this, this summer with wind shape. So she's, she's rested and uh, ready to go this week. We're excited for you guys to be here. And uh, hey, if you're working with our Vacation Bible School, would you stand up so we can see you real quick? We want to acknowledge you and be praying for you. Now, y'all stay standing. Everybody stay standing. And uh, let's have a word of prayer. And if you're near one of them and you want to just place a hand on their back, you do that. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come before you and we lift up to you the incredible week we have in front of us with all of these children. Lord, I I pray each and every child here is going to be great in the advancing of your kingdom. I pray they are going to be great in their generation of living for you, of maintaining their testimony. And Lord, I pray this week the activities, the love, the service of these standing. I pray you'll use this week, you'll use these folks to be a part of raising that generation to live mightily for you. I pray you're going to bless the songs, you're going to bless the teaching, you're going to bless the the games, you're going to bless the relationships, you're going to hear and bless those prayers. Lord, I pray your, your glory, your power, your presence is on this week in an, just an incredible way. And Lord, for each of these standing, I pray you'll be their energy, their patience, and their strength uh, all all through this week, Lord. And we pray this week is going to be pleasing unto you, and you will do a mighty thing in each of these children's lives. Lord, we know some of these kids coming here may not know you yet, and I pray this will be the week that they receive you as their Savior and as their Lord. We pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. And uh, boy, as you go throughout this week, remember every day, say a little prayer uh, for for our young people and for what's going to be going on here all this week. It is an exciting week every day, eight to five uh, with our young people. And then we'll come back here next Sunday. And remember this, we're outside next Sunday. We'll be back out here. One service at nine o'clock, no live stream stream of that service for those of you watching live stream we're streaming something aren't we dale your message uh, my message yeah. from when oh but what are we streaming next week yeah we're, we have a camera out there that'll video your message so oh it'll it'll be streamed yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so you can tell Dale and I are operating on the same page right now. That's probably more me than him because they plan all that. But yeah, next week we will be in the Genesis series. We'll, we'll be in Genesis 5 next week. But once we say, why are we doing that? Well, it's, still, it's kind of kickoff for July 4th, July 2nd next week. And just kind of a fun way. And let's go ahead and start praying right now that it's not as humid next Sunday as it is right now. Uh, otherwise we're toast. Uh, so anyway, we'll be out there one service, nine o'clock, bring chairs, lawn blankets, however you're going to sit there or, or be with your family. We're going to, I think we're going to have a really wonderful time of worship. But of course we got this week right here, right now. And today we're in Genesis four. If you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bible, Genesis four, we're looking at the first nine verses. Uh, if you're, if you use a Bible app, uh, one of the advantages of that is not only do you go to that passage, but you can select a translation. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation today, NLT, if you want to select that so you can read along with me there. So Genesis 4, but as y'all are getting there, I want to take you real quickly to two other places. Look at this on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 12 says, you shall not worship the Lord your God that way. Well, Well, what is that way? Well, if you go to Deuteronomy 12 and look at the context, it's saying, don't look out to the world. Don't look out specifically to other religions. Don't take what they're doing in serving their gods and say, hey, I like, I think I'm going to do that and pull that over into how you serve me. Don't take your cues from out there. Then look at the Romans 12. Look at Romans 12 passage. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. They, they got passion. They got excitement. Look what I'm doing for God. But not according to knowledge. They're, they're not a, doing that according to what God said. For being ignorant and the force there, the idea there is that the ignorance is by choice. I, I'm, choosing to be, I'm choosing to be ignorant of the righteousness of God, of the way that God said, hey, here's the, the right way. And I'm seeking to establish my own, my own way of doing that. They did not, well, that's a key word right there. They did not submit. We don't like to submit, not in any context, not to anyone. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Now, both of these verses are about worship. Yes, what we just did here the last few moments before the preacher gets up certainly includes that, but, but it's broader than what we do in a, in a church on Sunday morning. Worship there is really your whole life. It's what you do every day, all day in loving, serving, obeying, trusting. It's what you do to offer up a life to God that says, hey, here's what you mean to me. Here's how I value you. That's worship. And as I do that, the scripture saying, hey, don't look out there to the world for clues on how to do that. And Romans 12, don't look inside for how you do that. Don't look out there. Don't look in here. Why? In both places, I, I'm elevating myself to the position of determining what God's going to like or not like. God, I'll decide what you're going to be pleased with. I'll decide. I'll pick and choose from some things I like out there and some things. And that word zeal. Man, they had, they had zeal for God. I mean, that, mean, that means there's some passion. That means there's some excitement, right? 
But do you know what? This, that Romans 12 passage means is passion doesn't make it right. That's a, that's a big statement because you and I live in a culture that says the exact opposite. What you feel, your emotion, man, that's, that's bigger than truth. That's bigger than reality. If you feel it, that makes it right. No, it does not. Why not? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's look at Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, I'll begin in verse 1. It said, now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You'll be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse, and that is what's going on here in this moment, he is refusing to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, hey, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where's your brother? Where's Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's? And my, my translation says guardian, but this, this, this verse is known by a, a whole lot more by another word. Am I my brother's? Am I my brother's keeper? That's right. So what do we got going on here? So Cain, Cain is a farmer, right? Abel is a shepherd. You know, they're both doing something that God said back in Genesis 1 to do. They're both doing something good. They're both doing something commanded. So this isn't about the, the fruit of farming versus the fruit of shepherding. That this is, is not, that's not what's making here, you know, why his, uh, gift was rejected. That, that's not the issue. God has said, hey, if you're gonna, if you're gonna bring a gift, Okay, then there's a way to bring it. God has prescribed that. And I would look back to what we saw in Genesis 3 and suggest that there's probably something related here with blood. It, there is a blood sacrifice, a blood offering. You know, we, if you weren't here last week, didn't hear, we talked for a moment because, you know, about blood. Because, you know, you look to the Bible, there's a lot of blood in the Bible. As a matter of fact, the high moment of the Bible is the cross, and there's a lot of blood there. And that can look kind of weird. You might think people, this Bible is kind of obsessed with blood. And I think you'd actually be very normal to think that. Why so much blood? I encourage you to go back and listen to that message. Why that's so important. But gosh, real quickly, Leviticus 17.11, God actually says why there's so much blood. He says, I've given you blood on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement. How? By the life. Remember what we said last week? Blood is showing the high, high cost of sin. And nothing stops us and makes us say, what happened here? Like, like blood. 
And so God has prescribed what's to go on in this moment and what did Cain do? Cain said, you know what? I'm, I'm not bringing that. I'm, I'm bringing what I've got. And you know what, Lord, you can be happy with it. I don't know if he had a snotty attitude about it like that, but that is in effect what he did. He knew what to do and he said, no, I'm going to bring this. I'm going to do this. The issue here is not the offering. The issue is the attitude. Cain could have brought what he needed. Now, he didn't need to do a little work ahead of time, right? Because he, apparently he doesn't have any lambs. But he could have gone over to Abel with, you know, a couple of buckets of corn and carrots and said, hey, I'll trade you some of my product for your product. I need a couple of lambs to go make this offering. And Abel would have said, you know, my wife was just asking the other day for some corn and carrots. And that would be great. Yeah, you know, you go and barter and he would have had what he needed. This passage is not a judgment on the fruit of Cain's labor. There's nothing wrong with what Cain is doing. There's nothing wrong with what Cain had. He just needed to follow the Lord's way. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. It's an attitude issue. At front and center of Abel is God. This moment This day, this week, and everything I am and do, it's going to be about expressing the value of God. Front and center for Abel is God. Front and center for Cain? Cain. Me. That's front and center. Now, Cain's clearly the bad guy in the story, right? And I I don't want to identify with Cain. I don't want to say I'm anything like Cain. Folks, there's a little Cain in all of us when it comes to worship. Hopefully not the murder part. But there certainly is the worship. I don't know if we intend to. I just think it's very natural and it happens. I mean, you think about today. Not one day in your life. Today. I mean, from the moment we pull onto the lot to the moment we pull off and even beyond that, you know what you and I will do? We will look back over the hour, the two hours we spent here, and we'll evaluate every single thing we saw and heard based on what it meant to me. I like the sermon, I didn't like the sermon. I I like the music, I didn't like the music. That person said this to me. Oh, and that person waved to me. And I'll end up evaluating everything, everything going on here by what it did for me and what it means to me. That makes you identical to Cain. Now, you know, that's not fair. There's nothing wrong, I think, with going to church. Hey, I... I am. I'm either going to like the music or I'm not. I'm going to like the sermon or I'm not. Hey, it bothers me that that person didn't speak to me. That's normal. Okay? It's not wrong to have an opinion about what you think and feel and experience when you're somewhere. But because it's so normal, gosh, that's why we've got to be so very careful. Because we so naturally make everything going on here about what it does for me. And folks, what's going on here isn't about what it does for you. The only person that needs to drive off the lot today talking about what they experienced is God. God's the one who needs to be thinking about what this meant to him or that's who we want to think. I'm not telling you, God, what you need to do. Uh, He's the one who will be rightly thinking about what this meant for him. So we've got to guard against that. Man, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how far we've traveled, isn't it, from Genesis 3 to Genesis 4? You know, we, we talked about last week the time 
between Genesis 1 and 2 and Genesis 3? How much time from the creation to the fall? And we looked at some clues in scripture and some ideas and we said, actually chapter 3 is probably happening the next day or, or at least within days of creation. Well, when you look at Genesis 3 going into 4, you also get some clues as to how much time has passed and a lot of time between Genesis 3 and Genesis 4, between the fall of Adam and Eve and what we're reading about Cain. I mean, I look in the first verse there and I see that Eve got pregnant. Okay, well, there's nine months, right? And then, and then she had another son. Now, I don't know how much time was in between. Let's say they're in a hurry. They're getting after it. And so only six months. So I got nine months and six months and another nine months. So we're at about two years. But we're not talking about babies, are we? No, they're, they're grown up. They're men. I mean, it, it kind of reads like, you know, they're out on their own and they're going to their own house. Now, I still don't know how old they are. I mean, they, they actually could be as young as 15. Maybe they're 25. Maybe they're 40. Let's go with 25, shall we? So unlike going from chapter 2 to chapter 3 where it's the next day, Man, as we turn the page on chapter 3 and go to chapter 4, about 25 years has passed in what we just read. So I think probably a lot of sins have taken place in that 25 years because that's our nature. That's what we do. But look at how God picked a spot So he knows, hey, this is what you're reading in chapter 3. Now we go to chapter 4. About a lot of years have passed. But look what happened. Man, in chapter 3, we were just tempted with believing an idea. In chapter 4, we're at murder. Do you realize sin is never satisfied in your life? Sin is never sitting still in your life. Sin wants more. It wants more territory. It wants more of you. And it will fight every single day to get it. It will fight every single day to get you to call it Lord. So sin is not slowing down. And I, I think God positions these stories like he does. Say, hey, it started with an idea. Now you're killing each other. Now a lot of us are going to say, well, I, I haven't killed anybody. You know, I'm there. let's be honest, if, if I don't lie or steal or cuss, I'd say, I had a good week. I didn't sin at all. Mm, is just those three things what it means to have a good week? There's a lot of sin going on there. I like how one, uh, one uh, 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 commentator in Genesis said, in chapter 3, Eve had to be talked into sin. In chapter 4, Cain couldn't be talked out of sin. Sin always grows, never stays put. So now back to our question. Why, why can't I just love God the way I want to love him, worship God the way I want to worship him, serve God the way I want to serve him? Why, why can't I decide that? I mean, I do love God. I do, I do want to serve God. So why can't I come up with what's good for me, what's comfortable for me, what's, what's natural for me? Why can't I decide what God's going to be okay with? Why, why do I got to follow a bunch of rules? What, why do I got to do it this way? And I, I think the answer to that, at, at least in Genesis chapter 4, would be found in this verse right here. Verse 7. I read it in the New Living, but I've got it up here in the English Standard Version. Sin is crouching at the door. That's why. You, you are a moral being, and you are not walking through a neutral world. 
You, you are not doing things all day long that just, oh, really don't mean anything at the end of the day other than they, you know, just help you get to the next day. No, sin is crouching at the door. Whether you're going in or whether you're coming out, it is always there. It is never going to quit. Never going to quit what? Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. We talked about that word desire last week. It it has the idea of to master you. The Bible teaches us that we're slaves to sin. Outside of Christ, before Christ, I am, you are a slave to sin. You might have a hard time believing that idea. Would you like me to prove it? Here it is. You and I have to think and work about obeying God. You've never had to think about sinning. Not one time in your life have had you had to gear yourself up, get yourself ready, ask for help to go out there and sin. It doesn't take you a millisecond to step into sin. But boy, think about the challenges of believing God, trusting God, obeying God. Yeah, see, what's more normal for me? Sin. Because that's who I'm a slave to. Sin has never stopped working at enslaving me. In everything going on, that, that's, that's what's happening. You know, my, my guess is, and I'm, obviously I'm just throwing a number out there. A hundred times a day, sin calls you to call it Lord. Sin is trying to make you call it Lord a hundred times a day. Do you know how many times you and I recognize that and acknowledge it? Maybe two or three times. Two or three times we realize, hey, this is, hey, I think I need to pray about this. Hey, I think something's happening here. But there's another 96, 97, 98 times we're just doing what comes normal and don't even realize we just made a choice. You know who's not trying to make you call him Lord? God. I think about that for a second. Wait a minute. I think we're supposed to call God Lord. Aren't we even commanded somewhere to call God? He's not trying to make you. Sin's trying to make you call it Lord. God is not trying to make you call him Lord because God is Lord. Right? He's Lord whether you call him Lord or not. He's your creator whether you call him that or not. Now, if you freely choose to acknowledge, recognize, and live in light of God being your creator and Lord, man, there's tremendous blessing in that. And if you choose to reject that and ignore that, there's going to be consequences for that. But God doesn't need to make you call him Lord. That's what sin's doing. But in everything, Okay, I'm going to do this my own way. Literally in everything, I am calling sin Lord or I'm calling God Lord. There's not a third option. And this is what Paul is talking about in Galatians 5.1 when he says it was for freedom that Christ Jesus set you free. That's not, folks, that's not freedom to do whatever I want. No, I, I was set free. Why? So I don't have to submit what? Again. Okay, that was my life. That was the norm in my life to answer to sin, to submit to sin. But Christ freed me from that. Christ freed me from having to say yes to sin and he freed me to say yes to him. That's what the freedom is about. I get to freely now call God Lord and live like it. 
And this battle is going on every day, all day, whether you're going in the house or you're coming out of the house, it is always going on in your life. Sin is always to, working to drag you back to slavery. And I speak there specifically to those who have come to Christ. You're no longer a slave to sin, but sin's going to try to drag you back there anyway. And gosh, we let it, don't we? We let it drag us back. How do we fight that? Well, I think number one, just drawing from Genesis 4, I'd say, number one, be aware. I need to be aware of what's going on. All this day, in a hundred things or more, I'm going to be answering to sin or I'm going to be answering to Jesus. What would that do if, if we could see things and look at things that way? If we could become aware of how much is at stake, I wonder if we'd be a little more careful. But we're not careful. We're not careful. I mean, yeah, we've got some places where we know, okay, I need to do the right thing here. But folks, our problem is how often we're not thinking at all. I need to be aware. It's always there. It's always right with me. And it is trying to drag me back to slavery. Number two, I need to turn to Christ because I have been a slave to sin. I need his forgiveness. I need that freedom that he brings. And in coming to Christ, man, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in my life. So now I have the Holy Spirit's power, wisdom, motivation to say yes to God and no to sin. And then lastly, not lastly, there's much more that could be added to this list. But for today, number three, read your Bible. Why do I need to read my Bible? Because there's a lot of voices in my head. Now, I know I may have just said to you, I'm a crazy person. I'm not that bothered by telling you I'm a crazy person because you got a lot of voices in your head too. And think of, a, I've, I've got voices telling me, hey, your feelings are enough. Your feelings are bigger than reality. See, that's a voice from the world, right? I, I've got a voice of Satan saying, I don't know about all, can, did this really happen? Can I trust? That's a voice of Satan. Man, if I lie right here, that will get me out of trouble. See, that's the voice of sin. And, that, and then I've got God's voice. And you would think that it's real clear, right? Wouldn't you think, okay, I'm always going to know God's voice. And yet I never cease to be amazed at how we, we can say, you know what? God has provided this for me. God has done this for me. God said this to me. And what comes out of the person's mouth next is something totally contradictory to God. And yet we think we're communicating God in this moment. You know what, folks? My ears, your ears, my heart, your heart, we're not naturally tuned to the voice of God. What we're naturally tuned to is the voice of sin. Sin's always speaking to us. And so since I'm not naturally tuned to the voice of God, man, I need to be in God's word because you know what? I get to know God when I'm in his word. I get, oh, that's what God says. Oh, God doesn't say that. And I get to learn his word. Now, it'd be nice. It'd be nice if I could just read this book one time and that would take a long time, wouldn't it? But if I could just read this book one time, sit down and say, okay, whoo, now I know the voice of God. It's just not that simple. Because the voice of sin, the voice of Satan, the voice of the world. Hey, my own voice. What voice do you trust more than your own? It never quits. Those voices never, never, never quit. And I trust those voices. And they sound normal. They sound natural. Which is why not a lot. Every single day I got to be in God's word. Every single day I got to be tuning my heart and my mind to what he sounds like 
and to what he's like and to what he does. Because it, it ain't going to quit. It ain't going to quit until I step into heaven and like we sang today and hear, well done. Right? It's just, it's just not going to stop. We, uh, Genesis 4 gives us uh, a passage, a line. There's a handful of lines in the Bible like this where people out in the world quote them and maybe don't even know where it came from. They, they just know this is a, Genesis 4 gives us a pretty famous quote. Which one do you think I'm talking about? Am I my brother's keeper? That's right. Am I my brother's keeper? Let's go ahead and answer that question. Yes! Yes! Every day, all day, you are your brother's keeper. And you are to be kept. You and I are very purposefully, very intentionally, always to be building relationships where I am keeping and where I am being kept. There's almost 40 commands in the New Testament that are about keeping and being kept. They sound like this. Love one another, forgive one another, serve one another, help one another, bear with one another. And, I, and I'll stop there. All of these are about what we do for who? One another in the New Testament means my brothers and sisters. Certainly the biological ones, but that's actually talking about all the spiritual brothers and sisters that I've got. God calls it the church. God's given you and I the church to on purpose always be working on building relationships where people can speak truth into my life. They can help me, encourage me, challenge me, pray for me. I need to receive that from them and I need to be ready to offer that to them. Now, I'm going to tell you something about me. I am rarely, and this is for a guy who's always telling people to go to small groups. I rarely feel the need for a small group in my life. That I'm an introvert. I can't, I can't communicate the happiness that aloneness brings to me. <laughs> it's just hard to express that. And I am very... I mean, I'm just almost never going to wake up and say, man, I want to be in a small group today. Hey, honey, what's one of those small groups we can go to? I am very rarely going to feel the need for that in my life. And what I just described to you is the spirit of Cain. I don't feel the need for it, so I won't do it. I'll offer to God what I want to offer God. And I'm just looking at Cain saying, you know, the end of that road doesn't go very good. That's, that's not a good attitude. That's not a good road to be on. The issue isn't what I feel. The issue is that God said, hey, you need to be in relationship on purpose, working at it all of the time. There's never a day you don't need to be keeping and you don't need to be kept. And that's why all the time here at the Heights. Hey, this, we, have, we have a great time here in the big room. I mean, the preacher, phenomenal. I mean, really, who doesn't want to be here every week just for this right here? Hey, we love the big room. But folks, do you realize what a... It's an important part, but what a small part this room is of your entire walk with Christ. And how many is this room? It's the major part of our walk with Christ. I, you know, being here for an hour, I just accomplished about 70, 80, 90% of my walk with Christ. No, no, 
We've got to press on from here to the small room, to the small group. This in here, watching online, that can't be the big hunk of my Christian life. You know, here at the Heights, we, ministry groups, yep, well, the choir and orchestra, a love 804. I mean, you get in there and you're doing work together. At the same time, you're building relationships and you're building a lot of that one anothering. We got community groups. That, that's groups where you get together because you like doing the same stuff, like playing board games. You think, what does board games have to do with knowing Christ? Well, it, A, if you like playing board games and you get together with other people who love Christ who are playing board games, guess what happens? You build a relationship and you start allowing that keeping and being kept. Of course, the biggest way, the easiest way at our church is life groups. That's a fancy term for Sunday school. Old-fashioned Sunday school. It's biggest and it's easiest because it just takes so little. Well, it takes another hour. The hour before this, the hour after it, you go to that life group. And that's where you have your best shot because almost everybody in there probably has the idea we need each other to follow Christ. So I'm, I'm joining a group that already has the idea. I think we're in here because we're supposed to be keeping and being kept, right? And so that's, where, that's where you say, yes, yeah, okay, we're almost done. Yeah. So, why can't I love God on the way I want? Why can't I worship the way? You know, I worship better outdoors anyway. In the mountains, by myself. Why can't I? Why? I mean, if I'm generally out there sing, genuinely out there singing, if I'm genuinely out there telling God, why can't I just take them what, what, the way I want to do it? Because you're a slave to sin. And sin's not ever going to quit, even when Christ comes and frees you from that. Every day, all day, it is after you. Yes, in some things you can see, but you'd be shocked at the number of decisions you're making in your life where sin just checked that one off. I just drug them back a little bit further. Satan's playing for keeps. And he tomorrow is going to work, this afternoon, he's going to work all afternoon on making you call him Lord. So, so important, the voices that we're hearing. So important we realize, hey, there's really a lot more going on here than the nap or laying by the pool or getting something to eat or, or just enjoying my Sunday afternoon. I hope you do all those things, but you will make decisions whose Lord in all of it. Let's pray. Father, your way's good for us. I don't know why we resist it. It's dangerous out there, but you offer safety, you offer victory. I confess to you how much I think I know better. I confess to you that sometimes my own feelings and the way I feel about things or see things is what guides me more than your word. And whatever sin is the product of that, gosh, I hope it's never murder, but Lord, as we saw last week, sin is sin. It has its impact. It drags me further away from you and more in slavery to it. God, would you open my eyes, our eyes? God, I pray every person in here actually sees tomorrow a hundred places 
where they're going to call sin Lord or they're going to call you Lord. Open our eyes to what is going on. Help us, Holy Spirit. Make clear your voice. Let us see it. Let us cling to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.